Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Origin Stories. I love myself a good superhero origin story. So I thought to do the same thing with Liverpool fans. And today on the episode, we have who I know is affectionately as V. How you doing, V? Andrew, how are you? Uh, yeah, my full name is Vikas Bhatia, yeah, but um, yeah, man, after the, uh, <laughs> but I go by V. So V's, uh, V's definitely easier. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely easier on me. Um, and I, I imagine on most people. So, yeah, thanks for joining us today. Um, thanks for having okay. me, man. All right. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I mean, personally, I know a little bit. I mean, obviously, I can maybe tell where you're from from the accent. but Right. Um, and I know you have, uh, you know, kids and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, why don't you tell us a little give bit more about yourself? Give the backstory, yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, I'm V, uh, Vikas Bhatia V. Um, I am um, originally from East London. Um, from the UK. Um, I'm a second generation immigrant. My my parents, my dad moved to the UK when he was 13. So he actually moved to the UK um, the year that England won the World Cup. Oh, so we, wow. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of interesting. Um, oh. <laughs> and uh, so I was born and, born and raised in East London, uh, not too far from West, uh, West Ham is probably the most popular club in the area. Or, right, I was um, going to say, is that, is that, are you, were you a West Hammy in the beginning? Like, so uh, that's an interesting story that I'll come on to in a, in a bit. But um, so West Ham was one of the clubs and the other club, which is in much uh, lower divisions, is Dagenham and Redbridge. So I was kind of raised in between those two, uh, those two clubs. Um, been a Liverpool supporter since, uh, for, since I was about five, but properly since I was 10, you know, um, and uh was in New York, uh, sorry, moved from the UK to New York um, in my early 30s and did almost a decade in, in New York, uh, actually almost 12 years in New York and moved to Tampa last year. Right. Oh, okay. So let's, you know, so as an origin story goes, I, you know, some, you know, we can t- Tarantino this, but let's just keep it linear for, for this. Sure, time. sure. I want to know, okay, so you're from East London and, you know, I, Growing well, growing up when I was in college, I met a lot of uh, people from the UK, and um, one of the, one of the things I got um, that I learned is that a lot of people from outside of London, uh, they were giving a lot of shit to people that are from London that are fans of clubs outside of London. It's like right. they were saying, right. you know, there's 30 clubs or something, X number of clubs in London. Why can't you support one of them? You sure. know, kind of thing. Sure. So. Sure. Um, so how did I become a Liverpool supporter? Yeah, exactly. How me, did right? it all start? I mean, especially if you have like two or three clubs around the corner, I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. throws on the way, right? So, um, you know, it's uh, maybe it's like history repeating itself. But um, when when I was growing up, East London wasn't the most ethnically diverse areas, right? It was predominantly white. Um, we were one of the first brown families on our street. Um, football and football fans back in those days had a pretty nasty reputation. Okay, what, um, hold on, hold on. Not to be, I don't want to give your age away, but I'm 45. Okay. No, but give, give me like what, 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 yeah, decade so year, late, what decade late, late seventies, early eighties. Mm. Okay. Um, well, yeah, that was hooliganism at its yeah, green, point, right? green street, green street crew, that kind of thing. Um, oh. And, you know, I remember one of my one of my earliest memories is actually seeing a brick landing on our front room floor that had been thrown through our window 
because we were, you know, because we were, we were a brown family. Um, wow. It's, uh, you know, and so it, it's not, not been until later that I've pieced these things together, but um, a couple of cousins of mine who are older, that I used to hang out with a fair bit were Liverpool supporters. You know, they were a bit older, Liverpool winning in the late, late seventies, early eighties. Um, and I, I remember coming home from school one day singing, I'll, um, I'll be forever, uh, we'll be, I'll, I'm forever blowing bubbles, which is the West Ham song. I can't even say it now, but right. I'm forever blowing bubbles. And my dad said to me, if you want to, if you want to be like one of those hooligans, then you have to go and live on the street. So like, it, it was almost like that isn't, and my dad moved to the UK when it was 66 and there was a whole bunch of racial tension going on there. So, so I was not warned off uh, to West Ham because of the football. It was more because of the, the hooliganism and the racism, et cetera. Mm. Well, I, because of my older cousins and the fact that, you know, when you're young, you want to support the team that's always winning because like, sure. that's what you do. Um, so I, you know, I'd got my first Liverpool scarf, I think at five or six. Um, but by the time I was 10, uh, we had just signed or were about to sign John Barnes. Okay. And so, and so in my head, I, I kind of was able to justify the fact that I supported Liverpool to my dad because John Barnes was an African, yeah, African American or black player. Right. Mm. And, and I said, well, dad, they can't be all that bad because look, they've just signed a black player. <laughs> <laughs> so the fans, and, and you, you were justifying to him that the fans can't be that bad because obviously the fans can't be that bad because, you know, because of this is what it is. And, and also it was so far removed from, from where we were, you know, right. you know, when it's in your face, then you're, you're more likely to be, to resist it. Sure. But, but I'm sure that my, my dad was like, ah, oh, you know, you're not, you're not going to get to Liverpool anytime soon. You're 10 years old. Yeah. Several hour train ride. Right. So yeah. That's, it's, yeah. Three and a half hours, five hours in a car. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So it's kind of like, Oh, let him go through his phase. Yeah. Let him go through his phase. Yeah. Not nothing to worry about kind of thing. It, exactly. That. Yeah. So uh, I think, uh, I, I don't think that he was expecting me to stay a Liverpool fan. Right. But I think um, I think you know as as most Liverpool fans, once you are a Liverpool fan, you're in and you're all in. Right. Um, and that was that was really the start of the journey. Yeah. Okay. So wait. Question though. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he was concerned about um, you know the fandom, the hooliganism, hooliganism, and oh, that's a tough yep. one, English. Um, yep. <laughs> but was he a supporter at all? Was he into football? So he, so he was a he was a cricket supporter. Okay. So he didn't really. He didn't really, uh, he didn't really buy into the football thing, right? He he was more of a, you know, he was born and raised in India. Cricket was a national sport there. Um, sure. For me, like I just didn't have the patience to sit through like test games and matches and like, right. uh, you know, football was definitely a bit more fast paced. There was always and and it was always easier to, uh, it was always easier to be able to play football with your friends at school, because you get you know, a Coke can or a stone or something like it. Sure, sure, it yeah. You didn't need any equipment to play football. Whereas That's, like with cricket, yeah. you needed a ball and you needed a bat and wickets. Right, and right. Yeah, you could, you could hash it out. But like uh, football was a lot more, um, it was a lot more um, accessible. accessible. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot more accessible. And then it also um, because we weren't uh, in an area that was, you know, 
very ethnically diverse, it was easy to play football with lots of different people. Right. right? There was always a football component to everything. So it broke, it actually broke down a lot of barriers actually. Okay. So yeah, that's what I want to get into because, you know, I can relate a lot to this ethnically diverse situation. It sounds like we had similar situations growing up and I'm, I'm curious. So we're in East London. We're in the late seventies, early eighties. You're 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, oh, mid eighties, 10 years mid-80s, old. Mid-80s, sorry. <laughs> okay. Mid eighties, yeah, yeah. you're 10. There's not a lot of diversity where you're living. Um, but football seems to be like a, a bridge connector. It seems yep. to be a bridge, right, to, to your peers. Now, I'm just curious, though. I would imagine most of your peers are West Ham fans. So how did they take it when you're a Liverpool fan? Or were you all Liverpool fans because you all no. wanted to be, you know, the favorite on the, on the, you know, the playground? So it's, that's a great question. So there were definitely, there were definitely, um, it was a diverse group. It wasn't just West Ham and I'm the only Liverpool supporter. So I think, you know, you mentioned um, London has a whole bunch of teams in and around the area. And if there were multi-generational families, so just to give you, just to give you an example, right? Like where I spent most of my childhood, I could drive the amount of time that it would take me to drive to Upton Park was the same amount of time that it would take me to drive to White Hart Lane. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. And, and so White Hart Lane and um, White Hart Lane and Highbury, which was the old Emirates, sure, sure. Was, yeah. was probably like, you know, you could, you could draw a little circle around where I lived, extend it out by a 15, 20 minute drive, and you could probably hit at least four clubs, five clubs. Sure. So now if you think about, if you think about families that, um, may not be uh, you know why multi-generational london like it wasn't unusual for a guy to be a west you know the dad to be a west ham fan and the mom to be a a spurs fan or like i have a very good friend of mine who actually that is exactly the situation in their house like he's a spurs fan because of his family um who were spurs fans like his mom's side yeah so it's so, like as a child, you get to choose which which parent has the better team, basically. Yeah, it, it, it was very much like that. Yeah. So I, I was I was very much in a um, yeah. I took a, a lot of kind of leadership from the my older cousins, um, who ironically switched from Liverpool to West Ham, but that's a different story. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They went um, wrong more because it, more because it was a local team, right? They they right. it was it was easier to get to those games. Um, but by the by, you know, um, I, I kind of stuck there and uh, stuck with stuck with the Reds and built up um, built up a network of, of friends who were Reds. And and this is all was, in your teenage years. That you, you yeah, up- yeah. So like um, ten. So we're talking about beginning of high school, right? So high school in the UK actually starts at uh, eleven, not thirteen. So it starts right. a little bit earlier because we don't have a middle school. So by the time I got to, by the time I got to high school, I knew um, there were kids in my school that were Liverpool supporters, West Ham supporters, Man U supporters, Tottenham supporters, Arsenal supporters. Literally, like it was. It, I think it because back then you didn't have access to TV, right? There, there weren't as many things going on. Um, 
but you had like probably older cousins or relatives that lived in different parts of the country. Sure. So like we had, you know, I had friends that would go up north um, and spend time with their families in like Newcastle and suddenly they became Newcastle fans. Like they're bringing that down south. Sure. And then, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, this call, um, one of the things that was huge was the football stickers. So like baseball cards in, in right. the UK. Uh, baseball baseball cards here yeah football stickers they're made by a company called panini okay and you and you literally have a a a book and you would go to the store and you'd buy a packet of five or whatever and you you trade stickers so that you can complete um every team so every player would have their own sticker so it's like an advent calendar of football players basically (laughs) of the league of the league league. so it would literally break down uh, it would literally break down every single club in the fir- what we knew as the first division. Sure. Um, uh, so the the only book that I ever completed was 1985. So I still like back yeah. at my parents have. Ha- <laughs> and, how, have and how much would that cost? Like to to I'm sure your parents are like, why the hell am I spending my hard-earned um, money on you know damn so, thing? <laughs> I think I think that that's where some of my entrepreneurialism came in. So I would. Um, I had a couple of side hustles going on. Uh oh. Um, okay. <laughs> what? Twelve years old? You were selling. Hey, when ten, I was twelve, ten. I was selling burned CDs. I get it, man. What were you doing? Ten. I okay. was well at ten. What I was doing was, um, I would take orders for the candy store, like the okay. local candy store, because I some of the kids lived like that didn't have access to a candy store. Right. Um, I would take orders of like, do you want like obstoppers or chew bubble gum or whatever i take their money charge them a little bit on top go to the store pick up the stuff and then whatever i had left over i would buy buy stickers ba- with that. basically you were you know uh doordash before doordash pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's great i love it so uh yeah i don't i don't think uh i don't think my parents would have supported the uh the, the sticker book <laughs> Yeah, if they I mean, knew what I was doing. Oh, I, I mean, after the show, I gotta look this up because I, I, I'm trying to imagine like, are the stickers like the size of my face? Are they? Oh are no, like no, the size of like, a quarter or what? Literally the size of um, like a clothing tag. Like, oh, okay. A, and but they're like they stick clo- like they have like they're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're stickers, and you would have like Ian Rush and Steve Nichol and Jan Mulby and John Barnes. Oh, God, I gotta look this stuff up on eBay. Oh, okay, I want to see this. I, I, I actually, what I think I need to do is like, I need to get my parents in London to find it. Cause I know that I've still got it and ship it over. <laughs> Cause it's going to be a collector's piece. Of oh, sure. Point. Yeah. And you can give it to the kids and have them like, you know, do something besides, you know, play on the tablet. I would imagine. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Man. Uh, so, so I think, you know, that, that was like, um, the, that was like the, how I got into it. And I think, I think, uh, I I cemented my relationship with Liverpool. Uh, so I remember Heysel. I remember the Heysel oh, Stadium. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I remember us winning. I remember us uh, winning uh, the FA Cup in '86. Um, I remember us. I remember the Anfield rap. So that was like in '87, I think, or '88. Um, and we were playing Wimbledon in the FA Cup final, which was supposed to be a no-brainer, right? Liverpool plays Wimbledon. Uh, well, Wimbledon beat us. Right, <laughs> um, yeah. 
right? So, so there were there were definitely like a few um, very poignant um, either games or incidents that that I re- still remember from my from like my early teens that just emotionally brought me closer to the club. Like I'd never been to Anfield. I didn't know any Liverpoolians. So, you know, the closest we got to watching a game was match of the day that was on at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night or a Sunday night. Um, we, there's a, there's a, um, like a gambling thing in the UK called the pools, right? That's okay. another thing. Uh, and so what it would do with the pools, what you would do is, it was like, it was almost like the early days fantasy league. So what you would do is you would, you would pick out, uh, it would list out every game in every division, like literally starting from the top to the bottom, right? So the right, first right. division, okay. second division, third division, yeah. uh, fourth division, I think there are four divisions. And so my dad was like in a syndicate at, he was a postman working class. So like there was always like, a, you know, Hey, look, spend a couple of spend a couple of pounds. Like maybe maybe we'll hit the jackpot, ten thousand pounds, whatever. And it list literally listed out every fixture. And what you would do is you would uh, essentially bet on who's going to have a uh, score draw. So one all, two all, three all, four all, or a no score draw, nil nil. And you would get a certain amount of points for a score draw or a no score draw. Sure. And you would tally up the points and that would give you like, if you got X number of points or more, then you would win prizes. I mean, we never won the prizes, but my, cause my dad didn't know anything about the, anything about the clubs. It was just a pure guess for him. Okay. So he would bring these pool slips home and I would look at them and I'd go, Oh, who's Liverpool playing today? And I, and I really didn't, care about the rest of the teams i mean i probably cost them a couple of quid along the years. <laughs> but, but every every week i got to see because i i wasn't getting the paper I, we didn't have it on tv there was no internet right but, like how would i find out who we were playing like how would i go into school saying oh this week we're playing you this week we're playing you right. it was it was really the oh, wait, 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 that wait, helped wait, me do wait, wait hold on let me stop you right there okay yeah yeah. Um, it's, okay. I know I, it's, it's, a, it's hard a to, No, no, no. It's just hard to imagine life without internet. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it's it's been so long since those days, uh, you know, sure. existed. Right. So okay. So let me get this straight. So you didn't know who, wh- what teams Liverpool were playing week to week out, you know, and this is how you kind of find out, and this is how I would imagine that you were able to initiate initiate banter at school with your, you know. Your, your right. Spurs fans and so on that you would say, hey, we're playing you this week, you know, and then you would have so, a bit of banter at lunch. Is that how that works? Yeah. So if you were, if you were like really fancy, like if you were one of the cool kids, yeah. then at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the season, you would get um, like the calendar, the calendar would list everything uh-huh. out or the paper. Like my, okay. Like the program, like the special yeah. pullout or whatever. Yeah. Cause my dad wasn't into it. I couldn't like, Right, it wasn't coming to the house. And then so I was your side. Like, well, it sounds like your side hustle wasn't giving you enough funds, man. If your if your side hustle was there, you would have bought it, right? <laughs> well, the side hustle was great for filling in the sticker book, but after a <laughs> while, and after as many cavities as some of my customers got, uh, I think that that business died down. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's funny. But okay, okay. So I get it. So you get this kind of calendar programmy thing. Um, were if it, there was obviously no internet, but were all Liverpool at that time were all Liverpool matches on television because they were the best team in the country by far, no? No, so you, and none of, of the games were. The only games I remember being on TV in the, in its entirety were like if you got to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup final. Really? Like if yeah, there weren't there were no the radio. Now there was there was definitely radio commentary. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. Time out. You listen <laughs> to game via radio commentary? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, Why did England, I, I, I I almost refuse to believe that England did not show games of you know the top teams in the first division. I understand there wasn't a lot of money back then in in football, yeah. but I almost don't believe it, that because that's your yeah, national believe sport. It. Believe it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, people will have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember talking to my my grandfather. He's uh, uh, he immigrated here to the states, and he uh, so with my mother obviously, and uh, to Tampa, and uh, they were here when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFL team, had their first season. I, and I swear to God, my mother tells me that they were even on TV, and they were they are the yeah. the worst franchise in north america sporting organization in north america meaning they have the most losses and they were on television sure. in 1976 and 1977 yeah. so you're telling me in the 80s liverpool are the equivalent of uh, what liverpool are now and you're telling me they weren't on television was, no it was it was match of the day you had match of the day then you had your six o'clock news on on a, on a saturday most of the games were played on saturday as they are still right most of the games are played on saturday and you would have maybe one or two on sunday okay. the saturday games would um you'd have your early afternoon games which would probably be on radio and then um by the time the six o'clock news rolled around you would get the sports on the six o'clock news in the last like 10 minutes so they would literally cram in right the whole the whole of the the whole of the Premiership, uh, not it wasn't even Premiership back then, the first division. So I'm still talking. Wait, wait, but the match until, of the day showed the the sorry the highlights, the actual you match of the ball. day would show highlights. So that was a okay. half an hour show. Okay, that's why that's um, such a like an institution in in England. Right? Correct. Yeah. Okay, now I'm starting to understand that because I'm sorry, but I, I assume that all the games were on tel or all the games were on uh, or most of the games were on TV, like in like how it works in the states for like NFL, right? Like if you're from Arizona. You'll get the Arizona game, but you won't get Tampa's game, right? So I, well, I assume something similar that was well, going because, on then, but. Well, if you think about if you think about the size of the UK, um, you've got you've got sixty million people living in a landmass that is the state of New York. Guys, pay attention. Geography lesson. Here we go. Yep. Right. Yep. So, so <laughs> now if you think about how many clubs must exist in that land space sure right you we you know there's what 30 at least 30 clubs in the was it 39 or whatever in the premiership let's say right um there were only four channels actually there were three channels because oh my channel, god I don't, three channels. Think, <laughs> I don't even think channel four had started then oh my god yeah so not to sound the, like a millennial or nothing but wow <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was there was a sports um, there was like a sports program 
that would come on after the wrestling on a Saturday afternoon. And it would be like, you didn't, you'd get, you didn't actually get to see the game, but you got to see sometimes the commentators who were at the game. So they would be comment. Yeah, it was weird. So wait, and, they showed the video of the commentary, the commentators, and da, 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 and they they would have these commentators at different at different uh, stadiums. Okay. And they would literally go from one stadium to the other because you've got multiple games going on at one time. Right, 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 right. That's so mind. But okay, so just summarize. <laughs> Most games are not on TV. The ones that would be, quote-unquote, on national television would be your quarterfinal FA Cup kind of thing. Correct. And yeah. so in order to give your kid, your friends banter on Monday morning, then it's because match of the day was there. You had to have match of the day. You had, you to, had find, to have seen that to, to really you to, know what you, was going on. You had on. to find the paper from somewhere, right? right. So you've you got to get a paper from somewhere. So, like – wherever you get papers from, right? News agents, right. whatever. You get your paper. Um, but when you're like, you know, in your teens, really, you're not thinking about technique. You're not thinking about this, that, and the other. All, you know, all you're thinking about is, did my team beat your team? Yeah, of course. So now that, that's I think it. you're, I think you're, I, hopefully you're getting into banter because this is I'm really curious about. Yeah. <laughs> so you're in high school. I don't know how school is in the UK at that particular time in history, but. I imagine there's like a lunch period, and this is what I imagine. I imagine little V sitting down with his mates, <laughs> and one of them is a Man United supporter, and Liverpool like just trounced them over the weekend, and there's healthy banter, and it's not, it's not toxic. It's the exact opposite of modern-day Twitter. Can you confirm or deny this, you know, hypothesis? So little V was very different to current-day V. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> little, little V was very, uh, you know, English is a foreign language, kept himself to himself, that kind of thing. Um, so it was, it was more listening to banter that took place between fans. Okay. Like, it, it, like you could see, you could, you know, you could see who you can see you could see which type of kids or which kids um were exposed to football all the time and the banter all the time right. because they they knew that they knew what was going on they knew the players because their dads probably went to some of the games right so they were like footballing households so to speak correct yeah yeah yours exactly. wasn't right so you're, you're right on no. the outside so to speak Okay. Sure. So it was it was very much a, a spectator sport, but for for those of us that uh, may not have come from football households, we still had our little like, oh, that was like, oh, yeah, you were top, or oh, we lost again, right? But right. but it wouldn't go it wouldn't go as deep as like, oh, this player and he scored this many goals over the season. The kind of chat because that that the access to that information was so limited obviously there's no internet <laughs> right <laughs> i mean no, internet no... didn't happen till like 10 years later yeah almost obviously. yep hey. okay so it's it sounds like you know there were certain there was a gulf between v and then the you know the modern day twitter blog blogosphere right. statistician sure you know, optim opto football kind of thing going on okay i see so but, you know as as kind of time went on though as time went on though you you were able to 
you were able to find more people that went to matches, right? Like the in in kind of my early teens, I didn't know anyone that had even been to Anfield. Really? I didn't know I didn't know anyone that had been to Anfield until I got into like college. Oh, so let's, that's when, let's get into that because that was going to be my right? next question. Let's 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 do a time jump. Right? Uh-huh. Move from like 12, 13 year old mm-hmm. me, move into college. Um, at this point, were you, did your cousin at this point did your cousins transition to West Ham fans? Oh, they, they transitioned long before. Okay, yeah, they, they were they were long before. Okay, so obviously they didn't go to Anfield. So now right. in college, basically what I'm trying to get at is when did you go to Anfield? When did you have that kind of like uh, let's call it for lack of a better word network of proper Reds that you can have a chat with and, and so on and so forth. So at college, so college then opened us up from the locality to national because people were moving all yeah. over to come to college. So and this in, was in London, I would imagine. Yeah. So I went to college in a place called Kingston. So okay. the closest like football teams are like Wimbledon. The closest London football team is probably like Chelsea. Okay. So it was in the South is in the Southwest of Fulham, actually Fulham and Brentford okay. are other local teams. Um, but, you know, one of, one of my best mates, who's still one of my best mates, he um, he was a red. He spent his first year at college in Leicester, but his brother was a red as well, who was a few years older. So, to, like, you know, obviously a few years older, already started working or have access to more funds. So it was almost like through the through the network, we were getting more and more information. The other, the other component of this was that um, college in the UK, you're typically 18 by the time you get there, which means you can drink, right. which, means you can na- which means you can now go to pubs. Right. And pubs... Um, pubs and listen to games start- via the radio? <laughs> uh, no. Pub, well, you, they, would have, they, would, they would have the Saturday afternoon uh, commentary going on in different areas. So you would... You, you were more likely to find um, fellow Reds. So like I knew a handful of Reds, we would, we would know, know when the games were going on. We would like go and drink together, whatever. Right. Um, and I, I mean, access to information's a lot more available. And we're talking the early days of the internet, right? So like 94 so you were talking bullet and boards and things like that. okay, okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> so yeah it's getting dangerous <laughs> oh he's on the message boards guys he's on the message board <laughs> <laughs> oh man there's I all of that stuff going on <laughs> yeah yeah um but you know because because people were people were, were a lot more transient you'd started meeting people from different parts of the, the city different parts of the country even um even european fans right so like there was a lot of european um there were a lot of european students at my at my college oh right so we would start having a lot more banter because obviously liverpool you know we we owned europe right like europe is our thing so so when you met someone from italy when you met someone from france like who supported psg or supported roma or supported Barca or what you know all those all those other teams you'd instantly have something to talk about right. because shoot Liverpool I mean right yeah Kings of Mountain for sure 
Yeah, again, but again, it's it, it's another it's another example of you know football bridge uh, uh, build yep. bridges. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so I think you know just kind of skipping through, skipping through that. So we're talking about you know uh, mid to late nineties. Um, we've obviously won the FA Cup. Uh, we. But this is after. So we're in the mid '90s. It's been a few years since you won the league title. Since we, since we won the league, yeah. So how? Yeah. I mean, how was that like? Because obviously, when you're in a teenage years, you, you you know, you know, you were winning. Liverpool were winning everything, right? And then all of a sudden, hey, it's been a few. College years. was college how, was was awful. it depressing? <laughs> college was awful because we um, there were some closet Man U supporters, and this was just at the time that Man U started like. Their rise, right, yeah, the class of '92 and all that stuff. G- Giggsy, Beckham, um, Scalzi, right, Cantona, um, another like Paul Shearer was doing his thing up in Newcastle, and it was just out and out depressing. And you would have you would have these flashes of, you know, oh we can get to the semi final, oh we lost again, oh we can get to here, oh we lost, again. oh, and you know you you have the Robbie Fowlers the. I think Julio would Julio kicked in around that sort of time, so he started bringing up Michael Owen and Heskey, right? So there were there were a few things going on, but college college wasn't a very happy time for that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unfortunately. And it just um, makes you think that you know how lucky we are to be alive in 2020 with this phenomenal team that we have now and how well run yeah. Club is. Yeah. Very, you know, I've been on the record. So. I know I need to have that perspective because I've been on the record saying how how much anxiety I have over you know us by the lack of us uh, or our the our la- excuse me our lack of sure. activity. But sure. obviously we could be nineteen ninety four Liverpool and you know that's oh my God. Please don't <laughs> Yeah. So I, I mean they they kind of uh, their performance was almost as good as my performance at college. So let's just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. All right. So um, I have to know now. I mean, yeah, you're you're obviously English. You're from London and all that. You're you're red. But when did you go to Anfield? When was when did you make the pilgrimage to to you know our mecca, so to speak? So my first trip to Anfield was in two thousand and four. Uh, it was. Uh, my uh, someone that I was in a relationship with had some very strong ties. Their family had some very strong ties to Liverpool. Um, so I was invited to go to Antwerp for the first time. It was actually a Liverpool Man U game. Uh, I oh, sat wow. at the yeah. Wow, that's I sat, yeah. Yeah, I sat at the uh, Anfield Road end um, opposite the sign with the scores on it um so pretty close to the cop um i still remember seeing anfield for the first time and i started shaking because i you know i'm now in my like late 20s and this is the first time i'm actually seeing the ground live i mean no more radio it's it's no no more real life 4k (laughs) yeah (laughs) like 3d yeah um the the first time I heard you never walk alone, um, I will never forget that moment. Like just walking into the walking like down the Anfield Road, um, 
seeing the club, seeing the Shankly, uh, the Shankly statue, um, seeing the, I mean, the Hillsman Memorial wasn't even really that it's not the Hillsman Memorial is today. Like it was a, it was a makeshift one. Right. Um, so, so seeing, you know, being at Anfield was, being at Anfield is a lot more special than our result. We lost 2-1 that day, <laughs> which was disappointing. Um, but, but I got to see Anfield for the first time. And I also, as we were leaving, um, as we were leaving Anfield, I got to see the on the streets rivalry. Like really? they were, oh, they were, it was being, there were fights going down. But it like wasn't, it was kind of, would you say that the hooliganism expressed that particular time was similar to like when you were a kid in the 80s or nowhere near? No, no, nowhere near. Okay. No, nowhere is near. Um, but there was still stuff, something, you know, something shady happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. There were, I mean, it was, it, it couldn't have been more than a coincidence that here's two big groups of people that suddenly want to go at it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, it's kind of funny that so bringing it forward a couple of years. Um, so I moved to the U S so that was 2003. I moved to the U S in 2000, Okay. But I'd been coming to the States to, um, I'd been, um, traveling back and forth from 2004, but from like, let's say 2007 is when I really started visiting New York, excuse me. Okay. And it was, so there was a place in New York called Nevada Smith's um, on third Avenue. Okay. And um, I had, you know, the person I was coming to visit, just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> had, you know, I'd expressed like I'm a Liverpool supporter. Um, I'd really like to go and watch some of the games. Um, can you see if you can find somewhere for me to watch it? Um, we found this bar in Nevada Smith's. And it was uh, it was actually a menu bar, but it had so many TVs. Like this was my first kind of real experience of like American sports bar. Oh right! Because for the first time, I'm like walking into a bar that is showing every single game. No radio. Live. No radio. My head is blown. My head is blown <laughs> up. Like I'm like that yeah. emoji and like like oh. <laughs> iPhone emoji with the head blown up, and and he. I still remember like, you know, here's me, new guy, don't even live there, but I gravitated towards a corner that had Liverpool sports. And there was this one guy, Russell Garton, who I'm still friends with on Facebook. He was like a really tall Russell. guy. Uh, what's that? I said, shout out to Russell, man. Okay. Shout out to Russell. Um, it's, uh, t Big Russ is what we called him because I would yeah. walk in and he was the t tallest guy in that area. And I, I mean, I didn't make, I wasn't friends with him until many years later, but it was the fact that we were Reds and that was our corner. And we were, you know, we'd just signed, we'd just signed Torres or Torres had started making a mark for us. Right. I was there for the uh, Liverpool Man U game when Gerard kissed the camera, right? That whole thing. Right. Um, it was a completely different experience. Like being able to walk into a bar, one single bar, that showed every single game. And on top of that, you could go to an early game, like a 7.30, like a 12.30 kickoff, which is 7.30 in the US, and you could get a drink. Like, holy, 
<laughs> Wait, that's not, you wouldn't be able to do that in England? No, not at 7.30. Well, well, mean, okay, not at 7.30 in the morning. If but you're drinking at 7.30, then that's a, that's a problem, right? <laughs> hey, 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 day drinking. I love it. Come on, man. Yeah. But, um, okay, but you're saying because that would that game not be on TV in the book? Because you would have to have, like now you would have to have like a subscription to Sky, right? To you have, have subscription, to- right, exactly. So when I moved to the U.S., um, the the house that I moved into, um, we had to get Satanta. So Satanta, oh, okay. Satanta via uh, Direct TV right. was uh, was the way that you got games. But right. but for the first time, like I I got more into Liverpool after moving here than I was there because I was actually able to watch every single game. Like it was a game changer. So it's almost, I mean, I hate, I mean, you know, uh, just the analogy comes in my mind is it's like, it's almost like there was a church there. So it's like you were, you became more religious because there was a church that you can go to. Right, right. Essentially. Yeah. Okay. Very yeah. interesting. Um, I mean, and it, so- it sounds completely, I'm going to be honest, it sounds completely asinine considering that Liverpool is obviously in England and that you, you, you should be able to, watch the games there right living yeah. in, in the country and so on but you're saying the the opposite of my intuition that when you move to the states that you became you, would you say like you're saying you were obviously already a fan since you were 10 yeah. or, you know, yeah. six or whatever. I was all in. yeah but sure. it became more reinforced more solidified while living in the states in new york specifically well if you think about if you know even in your family you mentioned that your grandparents were immigrants whatever when you when you move to the new place you hold on to the thing that you had a lot tighter, right? Yeah. So this, I, what I've noticed is the same applies for football fans that have moved from, so the, the, the UK transplants that are Reds that I know here in the US, right. hold on to it. They, we own it because we're holding on to the thing that we know, right? Um, sure. And, and I think with that comes, so the, the accessibility was one thing, like now I could go and watch the games, but it almost became, um, it, it, w- it became incumbent upon us to, to really educate, use that word loosely, educate well, the newer supporters, quote, yeah, the newer supporters that didn't, that didn't know um, when to ch- do certain chants, like you know, it's it's embarrassing, but I'll say it. I I didn't learn the words to Paul Tommy Scouser for at least three or four years after I'd moved to the U.S. Really? Okay. Right? So there, you know, there are some um, there are some like YouTube videos that I've seen, and and um, some of the hardcore Scousers have said like you know you would tell you could tell who was a real scouser and who was not a real scouser just by their ability to sing along to poor tommy scouser so i didn't i didn't learn the words to poor tommy scouser for about uh three or four years after i'd moved to the u.s it's kind of embarrassing to say that but it's the truth um and i would stand there at bars and like you know watch the watch the hardcores as i would call them start singing this song and like you know like you 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 knew like a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more 
and you know youtube hadn't kicked in by this point right so you still right. didn't have all of this you you were going onto chance sites and you were like downloading in the message the boards <laughs> it, i mean literally it, it was that um and i think i think social media you know now we fast forward to like 2010 2011 social media is kind of picking up facebook's picking up people are creating their groups it's it the messages are like uh the messages of um uh communicating back and forth between liverpool and um and i was in new york so belong to the new big shout out to the new york copites um and um you know we i was lucky because i had gravitated towards um transplants to new york which is obviously one of the most diverse cities if not the most diverse city in the world and all of a sudden i'm now with um you know we were re- we were very actually let me take a step back if that's okay yeah. um for for a while in new york we were we were kicking around when i say we so there was there was the olsc what is today called the olsc um which was out of a bar called 11th street which I'd been to a few times, but it just didn't carry the atmosphere that I was used to as a red, right? Okay, and this um, is the, the atmosphere when you were in England? Both in England, watching the games, or even at like Nevada Smiths, where we used to go okay, and watch games. where your first experience was. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, so a, a small group of us um, kind of would bounce around, and we would always end up at the same places, together um we're we're technically homeless for like two or three years and then um there was a there was a bar owner brian mclaughlin who uh who owns actually uh carries now carriages okay uh, and the and the boot room who um who had who as a lifelong red said you know i've got this bar and i've got this room that's like at the back of the bar um I'm okay with you turning that into like a Liverpool bar. So it was almost like we found a home. Right. And, and that was uh, six years ago. I've been here a year. I was five years, uh, about six years ago. I still remember the first game. It was like Liverpool Southampton. We won that game. Um, over the course of five years, we've not only found our home, we found a voice. We found, I mean, Klopp, I remember Gerard's last game was there, right? I remember Gerard's last game. Klopp, Klopp had come in. The iconic games, the Dortmunds, the the Barca's, the you know the 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 Ramos bringing down Salah, like that. That all happened in the boot room. Okay. And so this community built up. That we built up this community, and it was it was not official, but it, it turned into like the family. It was almost like the cop away from the cop, and I think. Right. Where I'm going with this is, um, as older fans, right, showing my age at this point, sure. um, we almost have a responsibility to share the experiences of those times that um, we kind of went through. Like we had to listen to this stuff on radio. We had to get stickers from the sticker book. Like we had to get chants from, we had to get chants from like someone that like someone's dad that went to the game. And you had to remember it, right? Yeah. There was no yeah, text. It's, al- you, 
I get it. It's you could text like, it to someone. <laughs> sure, sure. I know. It's almost like, you know, these, these, uh, this is maybe a weird analogy, but it's like these like tribal cultures and civilizations and uh, you might hear in an anthropology class where, yeah. you know, they, they have an oral tradition. They pass down their wisdom to the next generation. And I feel like what you're trying to say is that as an older fan, you know, in, in England, you want to teach either English people, or I guess, regardless of where they're from, you know, the younger generation, like, hey, this is, this is what this is. This is how important it is. And I need right. to understand it. And what I think is the correct way to, to show well, the fandom. And well, so it's like passing down that oral tradition. Whether wrong or yeah. right, I think, I think that's, that's very human, I think, to, to want to do that. And I think that's uh, fantastic. Absolutely. And, and at the same time, because, you know, I am someone in my mid-40s from East London. I still look for any opportunities that I can get to hang out or be with scousers whose dads or their uncles or their brothers still right. have season tickets to the cop. Cause it's almost like that is the, that's the Holy grail. And you want to get as, as close to the Holy grail as possible. Yeah. But, and also just the stories, man, you know, I've met a, and, and that's what it is. It's yeah, stories. Yeah. And, and right? you know, we have, we have one shout out to scouse Dave. Uh, here yeah, in Tampa, they, they um, can't leave, yeah, can't leave, yeah, yeah. And um, I've met uh, a few, um, uh, yeah, I lost the word scousers in my day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, the stories are fantastic. Um, I, lo I love it for myself, but no, I see where you're going with that. Definitely. Well, you know, and and I think you know, I moved to so I moved to Tampa a year ago. Um, I, I found that the fan base here is generally newer. So, like, you know, I, I would walk into, you know, I'd walk into Pokies singing. Uh, I like, I take the name V because there's a chant, we'll be coming, we'll be coming, we'll be coming down the road. Right. And I kind of adopted the name V because I could turn that into, when, when I told my crew that I'd be coming to the boot room, I, I text, one, text one of them and I said, V will be coming. Right. Oh, okay. so, right. So that's <laughs> right, where right. really that came from. Like V was born out of like, we'll be coming down the road, which is an old, which is an old sixties, uh, like Shankly chant. Like we'll be coming, we'll be coming, we'll be coming oh, down right, the road. Right. Yeah, when I mean, you hear the noise uh, of the Bill Shankly boys. We'll be yeah, coming. I'm, not, I'm not even, I'm, 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 <laughs> right. I'm not that familiar with that. But yeah. So, no. so it's, it's small things like that. You know, when, um, when you walk into a bar and you start like chanting and and you can see the newish flat the newish fans um they either don't know the chant or they don't know why the chant's being sung right everyone knows everyone knows on the fields of Anfield road but like who could sing all four verses uh not me uh, <laughs> right exactly but but it you know i think i think with with the internet with the availability of that information, with the rise of popularity, with the the amount of documentaries that exist, you know, just today there was um, there was a, a like a, a webinar essentially where Roy Evans was being interviewed. Right. And Roy Evans sat with Bill Shankly in the boot room. Like, holy crap! If if you could have taken me back to my twenties and said. I'll give you a sneak peek into what happened at the boot, what happened in the boot room. I mean, that's where history was made, right? right? That's where, that's where Shanks, that's where Paisley, 
that's where Roy Evans that I mean, sat and they strategized. Like it's it's mind blowing. No, I know. It's, I just wish Amazon Prime existed at that point. They would be on the all or nothing, <laughs> you know, series, right? That would, <laughs> that would have been a fantastic uh, series right there. No, for sure. No, I get it. Yeah, no, and you're right. Um, you know, talking myself real quick. Not that this is this is definitely your origin story, but for myself, I mean. Uh, it took several years for me either to know Chance, uh, for example, right. the Anfield Road, Anfield uh, Fields Around, eh. Yeah. Fields of Anfield Road, yep. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Ugh, beers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I remember it took me quite a time. I, I, I can't quantify the number of years or, or months or whatever, but it took me quite a time to know, for example, about Hillsborough yep. um, incidents and so on. So I think um, because – but right now with the internet, you, you know, some person in Tanzania can easily find this information and, and learn it and not go through the difficult process you went through. Right. You know? They right. don't have to listen to radio, <laughs> right? So, you know, for um, sure. I mean, and I'm starting to see that, right? I'm starting to see that there are younger supporters um, who – who've adopted uh, the, uh, you, you know, you, one of the things that you mentioned was like, what did I notice different about us supporters versus like American supporters versus uh, UK supporters. Right. Uh, the one thing that's been, the, I guess the most challenging thing that I've seen is how, uh, how people follow the player rather than the team. Oh, Ooh, ooh let's talk about this. <laughs> because i think that's fundamentally american um that is an american at least in my opinion yeah. i mean correct guys i don't know talk to me in the bar and tell me that i'm wrong but for me that's uber american uh yeah. mentality and i don't know if it comes then from you know americans uh, individualism as you know as a society like individualistic culture but it's more of wow. We're getting quite deep. I love no, it. <laughs> but I mean, for example, I remember being a child, right, and and watching the NFL. Yeah. And I remember, for example, I was maybe seven or eight when John Elway won the Super Bowl. I know this is a football okay. podcast, but I'm gonna go sure, to the fine. NFL for a second. And I remember as a kid, like I told my mom, I was like, "Yo, I want their shirt, their jersey, because of John Elway, and also because I like the colors." And it made no sense. It was just about the play, right. Right? right? And then as I got older. I honestly thought that was just a child thing. No, but as I got older, I remember meeting people in high school or in college era, uh -huh. college time where people were like, no, like I'm, I'm a fan of like, for example, my, the, the best analogy I can give you is Clint Dempsey. Right. So he was at Fulham and then he went to Tottenham. You know, there was that rumor that he was going to come sure. to Liverpool. Right. Yep. And I was in college at that time. And I remember being at that, a bar in my college town here in Florida. Uh, -huh. uh mm -hmm. Go Gators, um, right? <laughs> right. That isn't that, isn't that Go Gators? Yeah, yeah Go Gators. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. There you go. Yeah, they're the the Gator Thump, right? Anyway, so there was a bar that we'd watch games, and you know they were afternoon games. Obviously, you know how it is. And I remember, you know, there was a group of guys that had a Fulham shirt, and then you know summer passed, and then now they have a Tottenham shirt. Now they have a Tottenham shirt. Yeah. And 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 I just thought, and I just thought, like, yeah, man, I don't care about team, man. I just care about the player. And I thought. <laughs> Okay, like I understand that perspective when he plays for the national team. Like I get that. Yeah. Like even I'll support 
uh-huh. for example, I support the Colombian national team, right? Because right. half of my family is from Colombia. So, sure. so for example, Yeri Mina and James Rodriguez are now Rodriguez, both yeah. Everton, right? So yeah. I'm going to be like Jeremy Carriker once said. He's like, hey, as long as Everton's not playing Liverpool, I'll, I'll support Everton too. And that's what sure. I'm – because I want them to do well. But uh-huh. God knows when Liverpool and Everton are playing, you know, I don't like them no more. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Right. And I, I, not, I, I ne- and I never will understand this. And this, no, the this American mentality of following the player thing, like I don't know why, it, but it's also in all the sports. It's not just American football or mm-hmm. or proper football, it's basketball, also whatever, right? Basketball, whatever it is. And again, yeah. I don't know where it stems from. I'm sure there's some study out there from some sociologist. There's some paper. I don't know. I would like to see that. Or maybe we can fund it. V, you got a business. Come on, man. You got fun. <laughs> Let's fund this study. Why is that? I'll, I'll, add, it, that I'll, add, it, I'll add it to my things, list of things to do. But right. no, I think, I think, you know, what it ultimately boils down to is what do you relate to? Who do you relate with? Right? So if you're relating to a story of, and, and this is the thing, right? It's, it's a lot easier to follow American sports players because they generally evolve. They you generally come up through college ranks, right? It's going to be someone through the college ranks, and they get senior, and then they get the pros, and then they're in the thing. Well, that doesn't that that approach doesn't quite apply in football. No, right? Because because someone that is in the academy might not ever get, they might get to the third team. Look at Rian Brewster, right? Right. Brewster was in, like, he was in the Chelsea Academy, he came in, he was in the under-21s, he went away, he's come back. Like, if I sit there and follow Rian Brewster, I'm going to get a headache. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> right? I, I, yeah, that's a good point because uh, college sports are so big in the United States and, and they're not big anywhere else in the world, no. right? So no. you almost, you get to see, like, this young and you get to see, like, like, a Pokemon in its egg, yes. and you can see that Pokemon hatch and evolve. And, and you, and you, that and you, exactly. You, and then you, you gravitate towards them. They might be same background as you, or they might have the same story as you, or they might have even studied the same course as you, right? Whatever the hook is, like you've got the hook and they, they bring you through. Whereas what I think about um, football um, is that you gravitate towards almost the ethos of the club you gravitate towards the spirit of the club. And so once you've got your club, it, it doesn't matter whether the player comes in or out. I mean, I, I'll give you a funny story, right? Hang on. I, so I'm obviously in my closet, so this is easy for me to do. <laughs> for those listening at home, V is definitely in a closet. I am definitely in the closet. So this, if anyone remembers, okay, is... Uh, is from the uh, bah, 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 from we're talking about 2008, 9, 9, 10, and 2009, 2010. Right, 2009, 2010 kit. Okay, Torres. This oh. is the only. This is the only shirt that I have with a player on it. Right. I bought this shirt because Torres was doing his thing. He, he and Gerard were just tripping the light, fantastic. And three weeks after buying. That shirt, Torres left. Oh my god! How I did never wore. I never wore that shirt again, oh and I and, and I've since got however many shirts I've got, and I've never since got 
a player on a shirt. No, done. I was like, even I remember Gerard's last game. Um, I remember Gerard's last game, and I remember kicking myself for not having Gerard a Gerard shirt where I could call like because Gerard is my player, right? Um, yeah. uh, I remember kicking myself for not getting one, and then I remember catching myself saying, "But if I'd have got that shirt and he'd have moved to Chelsea, then I would have been probably." Even more disheartened than I was when I got <laughs> Torres had gone, Torres left. Right. Because there was that whole Gerard thing. I mean, the only other the only other shirt that I've got with anything on the back is it's one up. for the '96. One for the '96. That's that's um, a, that's emotional, man. Yeah, and 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 that's uh, you know, I mean, like for my kids, I'll get their name and their age, right? That's a again, it, I feel like it's a, a dad thing to do, right? I'm, I want to do the <laughs> I almost feel like I want to do that because my dad didn't do that for me, but that's a different story. Oh, um, oh, oh, do we need, do we need a therapy session? A therapy session. No, no, I've got, I've got 90 minutes and I've got Anfield. That's, that is my therapy. There you go. When, when I'm around fellow Reds and, and watching the game, um, I think that if you gravitate towards other Reds that understand Liverpool, you don't need a therapist. You just need to watch a game for 90 minutes. And I think with, with how we're performing right now, we, uh, yeah, people were probably saving a whole ton of money on therapy right now. <laughs> Just go and watch a game, I mean, watch I, a game instead. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying there. And I, I, I agree for the most part. Um, I mean, although, although for me, the Reds give me a lot of anxiety. Again, unfounded. But, um, right. but then as soon as the ball's kicked, then I'm in it. And, you know, all those problems go out the window. And then for those, you know, 90 minutes, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of free and focused yeah, on what in. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you're in a bar, you, you know, you have a, a good talk with, a good chat with everyone and, uh-huh. and all that stuff. So that's also great. Well, I think, you know, just to, just to bring you back to that anxiety piece, you know, you were saying, you were asking me about my college years. I, I remember for the longest time, we as Liverpool supporters recognized that Liverpool were consistently inconsistent. And they were, that was, it was almost like a tagline, like Liverpool consistently inconsistent because you would have really good, you would have like flash in the pan moments and then it would like disappear and then it would be back again and then it disappeared. I think what Klopp has done from the ground up um, has instilled consistency and so even if there are blips, right? Like, did we, did we want to lose the Charity Shield? No. Did we find lots of, ba- like, oh, there's not enough space in our cabinets because we've won everything else. So like, who needs a shield anyway, right? There were all these, all these things, but um, even with the small blips, you can see the mentality. There's been a lot of talk recently about the mentality monsters, the psychology, the, the involvement of the backroom staff. Um, what Klopp's brought in is that menta- that s- mental strength that you need to go back to the Shankly. If you listen to some of those Shankly videos, right? 65, when we won the FA Cup for the first time. If you listen to that speech that he gave in Liverpool outside the town hall. Right. 
he knew what he was doing and he might not have proved it, but he had the conviction that he knew what he was doing. And I think as, as the manager of the club, right, we are the, if not one of the, we are the greatest club in the world right now. Right. We haven't been far from that for the last 30 years. Right. It's just that, some of the other teams that have done very, some very good things and they've, you know, they didn't, they didn't have like Gillette and Hicks that completely trashed our financial situation. And- right. But as, <laughs> as of this right? recording, hold on, uh, let me just cut in real quick. As of this yeah. recording, for example, Klopp, as Klopp said, baby, listen, we're not run by oligarchs in, in other states, you know? Exactly. So again, you know, now we've closed the gap in, and you know, let's call it the organic way. And, yes. um, and I think people need to realize that um, that's a lot tougher than having oh, uh, an oligarch in a, a, you know, a state run entity, basically. Right. You so know, it's, we are living in fantastic times, but we need to pay attention that, of course, this won't last forever, but we need to, to know that we, we need to enjoy this. And I know yeah. I'm like, as I say these words, they're not computing with my body right now. They're just like, Andrew, what are you talking <laughs> about? That's not, that's not life. No, I know I need to enjoy this. I mean, before the right. call, for example, I wa- again, I watched the highlights of Liverpool, Barcelona, Fornell, and I just, you know, to it's imagine. A, isn't that, you, you talk about how much money have I saved on therapy? I just watched that. Yeah. I tell the wife all the time. I'm like, put it on. No, because. I mean, just think that, you know, when I started watching Liverpool, obviously much later than you, but even in the beginning or when I was in college at that time, um, there was never a world because Barcelona was dominating everything, winning everything when I was in college. There was never right. a situation where Liverpool and Barcelona would would even potentially be in the same game, much less, or the same competition, much less Liverpool you know, spanking yeah. them, right? So yeah. we're living in amazing times, ladies and gentlemen. Just yeah, no, all absolutely. absolutely. I, I, I think um, to be a Liverpool, it, it, this, this moment really does bring me back to those mid-80s, right? Around that mid-80s time, Grobelar, the Barnes, the Mulby, where, they were, where it wasn't just about winning one cup, it was about winning all of the cups, winning three cups, like we're not defending, we're attacking. Like this is ours to, this is ours, right? And we're just going to go on and we're humble about it. It almost feels like we're back there. And while there have been, you know, Hillsborough shocked us um, that the year that Hillsborough happened, you could, you could see, you know, Kenny and his, the amount of stress that, you know, again, I've, was in my teenage years, I've now had the opportunity to go back and watch documentaries and, and other things um, that really gives us the, those insights and the amount of stress that the club took on, the players took on, and then to be kind of, you know, then you've got the inconsistency of management and the ownership and like there's a whole bunch of shit going on, pardon my French, that, that, Liverpool, not only as a club, but as a city, had to deal with, right? Um, and to come out of all of that and to be um, the club that is 
the best club in the world, the best club in Europe and the best club in the country is just testament to the spirit. And I think that, you know, the, the club, when they, when they um, want to interact with the fans, they take their guidance from the spirit of Shankly. Like that is the, one of the preeminent, um, the preeminent supporters clubs in Liverpool. What are we talking about here? Spirit of Shankly. You could see there's a, there's a, there's a consistency, right? Right. Shankly brought in this message. Klopp brought in this message. I'm humble. I want to be connected to the people. We are one unit. We, yeah, you can you can see Shankly describing um, the cop as a unit, right? What did what did Klopp do the first day that he went to Melwood? Melwood, he brought out all of the backroom staff, and he said to the players, "Do you know who these people are?" He created the unit, right. and I think I think that is what we're li- the, these great times that we talk about aren't. Like, yeah, they're great times. We're Liverpool, you know, we're Liverpool supporters. This is great. But I think it's, I think it's very um, relatable with our current situation, right? The current time that we're in, the pandemic, the remoteness, the, you know, all the stuff that's going on politically. The quicker we can get to being a unit, right? the further we will go. Sure. And I think, I think Liverpool as a club has just, you know, what did we, what do we say? If I could put that into a jar and, and sell that thing, I would do that. Right. Like side right? hustles. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of the side hustles. There's no candy available here. That shop is closed. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. But yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You're spot on about that. And it's amazing what he's done and and, I, and I'm sure he'll continue to do, regardless of wh- where my anxiety levels are on match day. Um, I, I obviously have complete faith in the man. Honestly, I just want a hug from the guy. I want him to yeah, come yeah, out of Florida. I want them to do preseason either in Miami <laughs> or Atlanta. We can go up there. We'll go to the bar and all that stuff. He'll come in because Jamie Webster will be there. And, you know, right. I just want a hug from the old man. That's all. You know, well, I, I, you want I a hug see my my thing is that um, I, I've watched it. I, sometimes I actually take, you know, as a as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, um, I take a lot from his management style. So I my thing is like, while I would love a hug, like that would be great. I actually want him to start a university because that's where I want my MBA from. I want an <laughs> MBA. I want a master's of business administration from Klopp's university. Like if he's listening, that's what I want. And I don't care if it's like made up in its toilet roll that he hands me a diploma. No, for <laughs> That's sure. I, completely, I, I kind of completely, I mean, not kind of, I completely agree with that uh, situation or, you know, that thing right there. I mean, let's just hope, you know, his university isn't fraudulent and all that kind of stuff, which I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, not talking yeah, about the, the other universities but, but you can see, you know, just, uh, was it two or three weekends ago, all of the OLSCs, we're doing like outreach into the community. The amount of the amount of um, maybe my maybe my social feeds are biased. But the amount of uh, outreach that the club is doing from a you know stay at home perspective, celebrate at home, look after the community, look after your loved ones. We love you. We want to celebrate, but do like that really um, that really solidifies that message which 
creates the unit from the field to the spectator to the community like you have a responsibility like we have a response we the players have a responsibility for you the fans you the fans have a responsibility for us the players but also have a responsibility to be good citizens right yeah like stay at home like it, it it's 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 a work of art I mean, it's, it's kind genius. of common sense, but so genius that it, you know, because it's genius because no one else is doing it, right? You know, you know what I mean. Right. So, it's so simple, but uh, right. But it's not easy. That's or else everyone would be doing it. I, I see that. So, well, kind of to kind of like round out. Um, yeah. You've been in Tampa uh, the last year or so, right? Can you a little bit talk about, you know, maybe maybe a highlight of your time here in Tampa? and uh, maybe what you see going forward. So um, the highlight of my year in Tampa is, I, you know, I, have, a, I have a business, I'm a startup CEO. Um, I, I made it my mission to be able to make and watch every single game. And up to, uh, up to the lockdown, I was lucky that I could get to every single game, irrespective of whether it was a Wednesday afternoon or, or whatever. Right. So right. like that, I'm, that I'm really, really grateful for. I'm also grateful for uh, the fact that I've, I've got to meet some really cool people, yourself not included. So let's oh. leave you out. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave that. Um, um, but you know, it's, it's awesome to see, that you know uh, just to mention a couple of names right so you've got jordan who uh, jordan over at um the horse and jockey who um told me about the fact that he was pretty young when he got to see the the uh, istanbul final right um he managed to sneak into the like like you can see this passion Right. in and around players and I mean in and around the, the supporters and and for the group and I mean it's testament to everyone that's been involved for there to be I, I did not imagine there to be as many supporters in Tampa Florida for Liverpool as I found like it's, I know it's it, wild isn't it it's <laughs> ridiculous it's wild um, and I think that I think that also it's got a lot to do with the new, like Tampa is a up and growing, up and coming city, right? Like there's a lot sure. of stuff going on. Um, I think, uh, you know, having, having Jeff Vinnick who owns the lightning, who actually, I don't know if people know this, but he used to sit on the board of Liverpool. What? Say yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. Jeff Vinnick actually that guy. <laughs> what are you, no, I'm working on, I'm working on it brother I'm working on it right. um, but but you see there's you know Craig Johnson who was like one of my iconic heroes lives in Florida like it's you, you I think my highlight has been that I'm constantly surprised by the connections that um Liverpool and Liverpool supporters have got to the southeast, and I keep on uncovering them, and I and I hear stories, and I hear, I see new fans, and I see new fans that are hungry for um, the knowledge, the information. Sure. I think in 
like where we are today, we are now presented with this opportunity to really expand beyond um, a bar and really, really create that unit, irrespective of whether that unit is talking around a table at a bar, talking on a Zoom call, be it with families, be it with, right? It's, it's almost like what's exciting about the time that's coming is that we're all in and we're all on a high and it's up to us to take that and to run with it, right? Yeah. To, to yeah. Klopp's point, we're not, we're not defending anything. We're attacking for it. And I think if we as fans attack for the spirit of Liverpool, attack for the spirit of Klopp or Shankly or the players and, and everything that Liverpool holds, we will, we will carry on having these moments irrespective of if we have bumps in the road or not. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself, man, honestly. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm, I'm thinking of words and I'm like, wait, what? No, that, that is fantastic way to put it. And yeah, man, I hope, I hope Tampa treats you well. And um, Thank obviously you. It's, it's been a good time with you. And I hope for this season, you know, obviously there's the pandemic and so on, but hopefully, you know, we'll be able to see each other in the bars and, and, and yep. a safe way and, and cheer on the red. You know, as of this recording, the season hasn't started yet. Um, first game, one first final, game in two days. Yeah, first game in two days. So one final thought would be, you know, what is your prediction for the, for the season, basically? Where do, you, where do you think we'll end up or, what, you know, what success would be like for you? So maybe I'm, maybe I'm showing my age, but I've stopped thinking about where are we going to end up because that has led to too much heartache. Right. Right. Um, I, I think my prediction for this season is that the team will continue to fight because the team are such a strong unit. I mean, Trent just won player, young player of the year, right? Klopp just, Klopp's winning his management awards. Um, today there was um, a release of a new uh, chant for Alison Becker. Right, all we need is oh, Alison. <laughs> yeah, Alison Becker. Well, uh, uh, to the tune of uh, so my good friend Mark Kenny, um, who actually, um, who actually created the most Salah running down the wing song. Right, has just put out. Uh, has just put out this Alison Becker song. I think um, you know, Verge being Verge being like the cornerstone of that back, like the defense, um, and the boys up front. And then the new guys like you Nico think, doing so. You think this? You think it, the sky's a limit, kind of thing? You think? Well, you think? I. Do you I think, think they're that, hungry? You think, is that possible? I think it's. I think. I think nothing is impossible. Well, that's that's nothing is impossible. I I think the boys want it. Um, the boys are, you know, the experience of Millie and Hendo. Um, are going to guide the young guys, uh, you know, your Curtis Jones and your uh, Nico Williams, who right. are hungry. Um, they've seen, you know, I, I was at, um, I can't remember his full name, but Seth, the, the tall uh, centre-back. Vanderbilt. I was at, um, yeah, I was at um, Fenway Park for his debut last uh, preseason. Oh, okay, cool. And, and Klopp made him come over you know, clap to the clap to the supporters, welcome into the team. Those guys who are getting just enough minutes to get a medal are probably 
probably being told by Klopp in like behind the scenes, you might have got a medal, but you didn't quite deserve it. Like right. th- there's this, there's this little like, sure, sure, yeah, you know, like, you, like you said about the this is here, yeah, you know, for yeah, sure. like you said about the this is Anfield sign, right? You can't. All right, touch all right, sign. V, this is all great, but I need a definitive answer for my anxiety. Where are we going to finish this season? If we don't finish first or second, I'm going to be like going back to my college years. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. That's fine. That's good enough for me, man. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say. I don't want to put a conclusive. Here is where we're. You don't want to up. jinx it. I get it. I get I de- it. De- yeah, it reminds me of my Torres shirt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough with that, man. Well, anyway, V, we, you know, I appreciate you taking the time and talking with us. And I appreciate, appreciate the origin story. It was very fascinating on my part, or, you know, to hear, you know, your story. And, um, you know, thanks for coming on. And uh, up the Reds. Andrew, up the Reds. You never walk alone, man.